everybody. How you doing? And welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. We're doing it on Zoom today. And my guest is Mr. Pete Neal. How you doing over there, Pete? I'm here. There you are. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, with this um, this whole COVID-19 situation, I can't have guests coming into the podcast uh, studio yeah. here. So we're going to start doing it on Zoom. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for being a trailblazer. You were my first guest in the studio. Now you're my first guest on Zoom. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. And welcome, everybody, to the Ford Battery Compartment. Uh, <laughs> this, is my, this is my office at the house. And uh, it, it's very, very similar to the submarine days. I've got a seven-foot ceiling, and it's uh, five-foot by eight-foot. And this is my office. My whole life is here. Right on. Well, you know, thanks again for joining. You know, um, how you, how you doing with this whole, you know, COVID-19, the shelter in place? How's it affecting you, affecting your family? Um, not much different from me personally, because I do work out of the house. Okay. Uh, except uh, with regards to the Heart Force Science Group, uh, that's on hold right now because the locations where I do a lot of my testing, they're shut down. So I can't go in and conduct my testing that I want to do for the Heart Force Science Group. So that's on hold right now. But my other two occupations, uh, my other two organizations, that's business as usual. I mean, we've always mm-hmm. communicated over the Internet. Right. And, uh, Zoom. They've one of them's made the transition to Zoom, so I had a little bit of experience when you said you wanted to do this. Yeah, my urging, okay, <laughs> that I really wanted to do something about your podcast, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, yeah. So, this was a must-do thing. The timing is perfect. You know, you, you know it is. And when you when you contacted me and you were raising, you know, the whole notion of. Life, Liberty, Pursuit of Happiness, which are the higher ideals of this podcast. And how does that sort of uh, match up with what's going on with shelter in place, what's going on with businesses being shut down? You know, are those are those liberties um, are those actually I should say are those inalienable rights being violated or not? I, I just think it's an interesting topic to explore. Yeah. And, and you know, you and I visit the same groups in Facebook and they are topics that people are talking about in, in the hundreds. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you launch a topic on Facebook right now. That's the least bit related to COVID. Okay. And I'm not talking about the jokey things, you know, speaking <laughs> of jokey things. Right. There's a, some of that. There's some of that. There's my, my Calypso face mask made okay. with a towel. Made with a shop towel and uh, uh, little bands for my ponytail. But <laughs> took two minutes to make, you know. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, what I'm talking about is that people are uh, saying things on Facebook, and it just triggered something in me. And I said, geez, this is right up John's alley. We've got to do a podcast. You know, how do we get around this? social distancing or uh, what do we call it? Physical distancing. Physical. There we go. Physical distancing. I, mm-hmm. I, I have a problem keeping up with what's politically correct. I mean, I get a whole <laughs> bunch 
a new right. acronyms. I mean, I never knew what PPE stood for, you know. I do now. It's been beating that? the head for the last two weeks. It's physician protecting equipment. Is that it? Per personal protection equipment. Per yeah. Personal protective equipment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm learning these too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I did Navy time. I should be used to acronyms, but you know. But you know, that, it that, is interesting because you know we you and I travel in a lot of the same. Um, kind of Facebook groups, especially here in our community. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting conversation where some people that really embrace liberty from the perspective of, I'm going to go and do whatever I want. I'm not going to follow the rules uh, because, you know, this is my life and I have my liberty and it doesn't matter, you know, um, what everyone else is doing. I'm going to, I'm going to live, I'm going to express my liberty, right? And right. That's that's a common way that people think about liberty, that they can just do whatever they want. But you can't do whatever you want. I, no. I don't have the liberty to come no. over and, and rob and steal your Calypso uh, Corvette C7 out of your garage. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, I don't have I don't have the liberty to, you know, assault people, to murder people, even if that's what I want to do. We don't have that liberty because. What's interesting is I, I think of it from a different perspective. It's when you're the, the, the role of the government as declared in the Declaration of Independence is to secure our inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And so what that means is, is that they don't necessarily need to protect just one person's liberty. They got to protect everybody's liberty. Everybody's you know? liberty. So so if one person is essentially coercing another one person is violating the liberty of another if one person is out there blasting coronavirus germs everywhere you know they could potentially be infecting others and therefore violating their rights um right and and so i think it's important when we look at it from the perspective of liberty it's not just protecting my selfish liberty it's having a system where we all can be free living amongst ourselves I, I kind of think of it. I was using this analogy with another friend of mine just a few days ago. I, I haven't really tightened up the analogy exactly right, but I liken it to these bubbles. Imagine bubbles that are all floating around in a room. Each one of us is a bubble, and we have the liberty to move around and do whatever we want, but we can't bang into other people's uh, bubbles and burst their mm -hmm. bubbles. You know, right. We can't violate their freedom um, but violate their rights. But as long as we have the freedom to move within that space, then I think we're okay. So then yeah. the question is, is does this shelter in place initiative um, do some of these, um, you know, these conditions on businesses, essential businesses, do those match up with our life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness? And I think in some cases they do. And in other cases, they don't. Yeah. The uh, One thing that we, you and I have never talked about. Uh, in in the domain of life, liberty, and the pursuit, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are three mm -hmm. different characteristics, each of them distinct. Okay. Damn it! Got to figure out how to shut off my email. I guess it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. All right. People know I'm getting emails. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um. So, liberty comes with a cost. Mm. Liberty is yes. something that we as a nation have to pay for on occasion, sometimes more than others, 
sometimes with recognition, sometimes without recognition, okay? Liberty has to have a certain component of sacrifice. I mean, under normal circumstances, we don't rant and rave like we do and deservedly giving the nurses and the doctors the recognition they deserve, okay? This particular thing has brought that into focus. And damn it, they're important people to have. Yeah, of course. And they deserve to be recognized. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Firemen and policemen, I mean, we're getting much better at recognizing the personal sacrifice of policemen and firemen. And that didn't really start until 9-11. All right. Yeah, because they were all suddenly heroes. Yeah. Starting Mm -hmm. with 9-11, it took a national catastrophe. Mm Mm-hmm. For us to become aware of the personal sacrifice that policemen and firemen do on a normal course of business. Okay. Um, Liberty has a cost and it has to be paid on occasion. And we ought to keep that in mind all the time. And right now, uh, we as a populace have to be willing to pay that price so that we maintain the liberty aspect at some future point. Well, I think think it's fair to say that there's a cost to liberty. Mm -hmm. The question is, is um, how much of a cost, how much of a sacrifice? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I don't mean no disrespect to, you know, the firefighters and police officers and doctors, nurses. Are they sacrificing or are they choosing? Um, they're they're oh, choosing a, they're choosing a career. They know there is a risk associated with it. They know that what they're doing is consistent with their own values. You know, mm-hmm. people that I would imagine that are in the police, you know, believe in law and order. You know, they're they're essentially their career is consistent with their values. Yeah. Same with doctors yeah. wanting to cure people and, and help them. Is yep. it a sacrifice? Is it a choice? It's an interesting way to frame it. Um, there are some occupations, I think, that are naturally a sacrifice because you do not live a lifestyle as your neighbors do. Okay? It's a different lifestyle. Um, at least that's been my observation. So I think mm-hmm. that's a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But you're doing, you're doing that for a personal satisfaction. Okay? Well, of course, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, uh, I'll get into some tangents, but there's the other aspect that I wanted to bring out is that um, we're being asked to do something to flatten the curve, okay? Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is we're trying to do this physically distant, all right, so there isn't a conduit for the virus to travel through the groups of people, okay? Well, something very interesting is that this started in China, okay, by happen chance, all right? It happened to be that that particular type of virus manifested itself in China. Mm-hmm. But their society does not follow life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it follow it follows pretty well 
the, the laws laid out by Chairman Mao. I mean, I, I've read the Red Book. It's, it's it, Chairman Mao's instructions to the people of how you will conduct your life. Right? Wow. It's a fascinating book. And we could learn. <laughs> I'm not preaching it. Okay. I'm just saying there are aspects to that which address this situation. I mean, Chairman Mao came into power because they had a massive problem with the population of China at the time. That's what gave mm-hmm. the route to China. Okay. But I got, I got exposed to something on, in the mid-80s when I was traveling to China and uh, had a translator with me. And, and after working hours, we'd go out and have dinner with, with customers and, and we were talking. And you know me. <laughs> I want to get people talking. All right. All right. Yeah, you do. With a with a few pokes here and there, okay? Of course. I would expect but, nothing less. So the concept of their lifestyle, I wanted to question. I wanted to hear from them what they had to say about different things, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it got to the point when we got into these conversations, they'd preface everything they said with, maybe I think. Right. When it was really? their turn. Yeah. When it came their time to uh, to answer me or say something, they would start off throughout the entire evening with maybe I think. And it became really obvious really quick. And I went to five different places around China and it was there in each location. I mean, thousands of miles apart. But it was always the same. And I asked the translator, I said, what is it with this maybe I think? Mm -hmm. And he said, they're posing what they're saying as a hypothetical. Because Mm. in this restaurant, if there's a government person overhearing that conversation, those people can be arrested for what they are saying. Okay. Wow. Wow. So... That's a different society than what we live in, mm-hmm. right? You're sitting in there in a restaurant, having a good time, talking to people you want to get to know, and you could be arrested for what you say, all right? Mm. That's so what, it, what the reason they've adopted this, and, and this is, goes from youngsters to old people. I mean, it's embedded into their lifestyle that they start off their sentences you know, like we end it with a period, a statement, or a question mark, they start their sentences off with, maybe I think. So they always have plausible deniability. If they are arrested and they go into court, they can say, Mm -hmm. but judge, that was a hypothetical. I don't truly believe that. I was engaged (laughs) in a conversation with this this crazy American, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to show him how much better our society was. Right. Boom. Off the hook. Right. Okay. But we don't live in that society. Okay. And now I don't know how westernized China has really become. I'm not current. I mean, I'm going off of something that's 20, 30 years old, but I was impressed with that. Mm. Almost, almost as impressed as I was with their version of social security. You know, I go, I go outside to smoke, except in my office. (laughs) And there was an old guy there with a broom made out of a tree branch with twigs wrapped together. And he was sweeping the snow off the sidewalk. And hmm. while I was doing my, you know, cigarette. And he got to a certain part 
and he stopped and he turned around and left. All right. The next night, still snowing, he comes out and he starts off at a specific spot on the sidewalk and he sweeps about 10 or 15 feet of it and he stops and he goes off. Well, the sidewalk's all clear. There are different people doing different sections of the sidewalk. Right. And they're all old people. <laughs> right. right. I'm saying to my interpreter, I says, what is it? I mean, these people are, oh, he says, that's our social security system. He says, if they want to eat, they've got to work for it. Wow. Okay. And I don't know if that's still true, but that impressed the hell out of me that they got government money for sweeping a section of the sidewalk. Now, what I want, I, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but what if they were in their 80s or 90s? Maybe they were bedridden. They can't perform a task. Then what happens, I wonder? Don't know the answer. Right. But I mean, that guy that I saw was in his 80s or 90s if he was a day. <laughs> right. And the broom yeah. impressed, you know, the, the, the way he was sweeping the sidewalk, this is snow. It's not, he didn't use a shovel. Right. Okay. It was a tree branch with twigs lashed together. All right. And he'd get it worn down to a certain point where, you know, a couple of days later I saw it, it was back. He had to go get new twigs. Wow. <laughs> you know, anyway, impressive, but no, would I want to live in China? No. Do I want my life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Absolutely. Sure, sure. Okay. Is their society able to cope with something like COVID and physical distancing better? Yep. Well, yeah, because the government has a lot more power. I mean, right. My understanding is, is that they really clamped down on that Wuhan province. And yep. Um, I, again, I don't know the details of what they've done, um, but they definitely they have the ability to be far more draconian. Oh, yeah. And, and, and how they clamp down on people. And with the throwing of a light switch, it's that quick. Right. You know, because the structure and the public understanding of what's being asked of them, mm -hmm. it's up there. It's written. Mm -hmm. This is what you will do. Now, did they have some problem? Did they? There were films showing people getting arrested. Right? So there are people that break the rules everywhere. Oh, of course, sure. But the, you didn't see a massive amounts of people getting arrested. You saw one or two or three or four, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was following the rules. So I wanted to bring that to light. You know, That's it, it, it's interesting to see how all these different nations are managing it. Um, you know, for example, in South Korea, my understanding is, is that they were very quick to get testing kits out to people, which I think is great. That's what we should have done in the United States. But what they then did is that those that were tested positive, they were seriously clamped down on. It would have been huge violations of civil liberties here in America. Um, yeah. It was like house arrest, essentially. Um, so it, it's an interesting angle because like, in, in some ways our life liberty and a pursuit of happiness if not properly understood if not properly um yeah if, if not really understood from the core point of our individual rights it could make a pandemic difficult to manage 
Um, a pandemic mm -hmm. is much more manageable if you have a dictator. Right. And so that's a tough balance. It's a it's a tricky road to run. All right. The, the, the first word of the three statements, okay? We've covered liberty. I want to go back and cover life a little. Okay. All right. Because by outward appearance, by the best of everybody's calculations, this started in January, started in the U.S. in February, March. Okay. We were aware of the pandemic starting in China in January. No, it was actually started in November. We had received official word on December 31st. Okay. All right. And, and, then, and then we had some additional information in January, but it really started cooking in February. Yeah. But they're talking that the, that the peak of the curve, whatever that curve happens to be, is going to be like June, May, June timeframe, and we'll be on the downward slope of the curve beyond that. That's what they're projecting. You know, they call it an apex. Right. Okay. This would be right up your alley. Yeah. Well, apex an apex is on a horizontal turn. I, I don't I don't deal with apexes up here. I deal with apexes this way. Right. I'm joking with anyway. you. Anyway, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, no. So. We're going to put up with this intensely for probably the year 2020. Okay. Yes, to some varying degree. I agree. Right. Um, let me tell you about one that hit in one day. Actually, one day. Three days. Okay. I think the whole thing was three days. Uh, I was 12 years old. Uh, I was sitting at the kitchen table and my dad comes in the door and he's panicked and we're supposed to get grandma out of her room and mom and me and him. And we're all going to go down to the house we eventually moved in because it was the better bomb shelter. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm 12. I'm going, what the? Bomb my... shelter. <laughs> bomb shelter? What's going on? Yeah. It was the missiles of October. There was a large number of people when they made the announcement that the Russians had missiles, ICBMs, going into Cuba that... We were in world, gonna be World War Three. Wow! It was over the following week. Done. Kennedy and you know made the agreement and things settled down and went away. But that started everybody with duck and cover drills. Oh yeah, and yeah. You went through that, I'm sure. Yeah, I remember um, kindergarten and maybe first grade. Um, we would you know hear the siren and it was every day at right. a certain time. And then we had to get underneath our desk. Yep. But that started with the missiles of October. Hmm. All right. Um, and I just very distinctly remember that because it's the only time I've ever seen my dad panicked. Really? Yeah. He's always been a very calm. He was always a very calm and cool and collected guy. But he was terrified. Wow. How are we going to survive this? Anyway, so there's that. That's, that's a three-day thing. Uh, we got 2020. That's going to be a one-year thing. But also, at the age of 12, I became aware of the world and the impact it could have on people. And the other one I want to bring to light, and you can you share in this one, is throughout the 60s, every night, the national news would cover for five to ten minutes 
the war in Vietnam, they'd talk about the people dying. Mm. Okay. It became, after a period of time, people just took it for granted that there were people dying in Vietnam. We took it in stride. Okay. The, the shock and the horror of that became a part of our lives. Right. Right now, it's nonstop news, you know, 20 minutes of news right now on COVID and Illinois and Michigan and Louisiana and California. I mean, everybody's talking about the impact. So that's life, folks. We have these things. Mm, yeah. 9-11 took place in half an hour. Two planes. Mm-hmm. It everything to this day. All right. So this one's going to be interesting. This is going to be a, a one-year time frame of life. And it's not going to be the same after. No. And we, and we didn't see it coming. Yeah. You, you know, it, again, it's interesting how we look at this. So. I agree with you completely that we're in the middle of this. It's going to last a, a lot longer than I think we expect. I, I, I think President Trump just recently said he's hopeful that you know professional sports can start in September in time for the football season. That means baseball is out, which is driving me crazy. Um, so this is going to be prolonged for a long period of time. Um, how long we don't know, but you know the whole idea of life in in the context of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is that you have the ability to manage your own life, that you can essentially make choices about how you want to live your life within the context of the world around you. It's not as if, you know, there's someone that is predetermining that you need to follow in the footsteps of your parents or, or or you're caught in a caste system like in India and you can't escape. Um. What what we're dealing with here is if we want to manage our own life and manage it to the best of our ability, and if we want to think long term, then it is totally rational for us to shelter in place, to protect ourselves. It's in our own self-interest to think long term. So I think when we look at there are so many different nuances to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. It's not just. I can go out and do whatever I want. It's not America. You know, it's not a lot of the slogans that people hear. It's, it's a much more contextual, nuanced perspective. Um, but, yeah, we go through these periods um, and the world changes around us. We've got to make certain choices about the world around us. Uh, sometimes the government will go too far. Sometimes it goes to large extents to secure our individual rights right. as, their, as their charter is. But other times they go way too far. And I, I, I think TSA is a great example of that. You know, TSA made a, a lot of sense around the time of 9-11. But now I think it's gone way beyond its scope, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, it's, and I th- I've, I'm of the belief that TSA is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's it's illegal search and, and, and seizure. It, it's guilty until proven innocent, um, which especially, goes against some especially, of the— 
especially when you consider that today we have the technology to replace TSA in its entirety. Yeah. So it makes me wonder. It's like almost like a make work program, you know, for a, yeah. a good number of people. So sometimes I think the government makes good choices to secure our inalienable rights. Other times they go much they go too far. And like there's a new a piece of news that came out I just saw today where there were some people that were out on the beach in Encinitas and the police pulled them over. Now, pulled them I should say pulled them over. They were walking on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I I I just saw the headline. I don't know if it was a a, a ticket or an arrest, but to me that's going too far. You know, if people are on their minding their own business and they're not in a large group, you know, it's maybe two or three people and they're walking on a beach. I mean, that should be within the lanes of um, maintaining or protecting our civil liberties, but also being cognizant of the whole COVID-19 situation and not spreading it. Right. Right. I mean, it, that's that's. I think that's the reason why the initial instructions on this um, physical distancing didn't have any enforcement to it in the beginnings for the first couple of weeks here. Uh, now, people have been talking about things starting to become enforced, and I guess right. you heard about the first occurrence here, uh, which I happen to agree with, by the way. Okay. Uh, Which incident are you referring to? Any anybody on the beach right now had better be the homeowner. Mm. Okay, We're, we should not be down there at that particular point in time. You, have, if you're not a homeowner in Encinitas, okay, you shouldn't be on the beach. But if you're, let's just say you're by yourself, and you know you're well beyond six feet away from anybody. Ah, but was it by yourself? Is they're not going to stop you for that. They're okay. only they're only going to ticket you, or they should only be ticketing you if you are in a group of ten. Okay, so if you're in a large group, I understand that. But if you're like you and your wife going for a romantic walk on the beach, and you, yeah, you I'll live, have you. I'll have a strong <laughs> argument with that officer of the law. <laughs> yeah, because this is someone yeah. that you live with already. So yeah, you know. Um, I've gone on, uh, you know, my, my son went on a hike today here in Poway. I go for walks every day. I've been walking a lot more during this uh, crisis, which is great. So I think if you're out Calypso, on the- Calypso's way down on mileage, by the way. Yeah, way- yeah. I mean, the only place I go is to the store. Well, and you that's, could, that's you could still go for adventure. You could still go for a road trip, right? I could, but I'm not. You're not. I'm not. This mm-hmm. is part of- Part of my interpretation of physical distancing is, yeah, we are distant. I'm not going out because if I get myself in a situation with it's not going to happen in Calypso, but if if it were to break down, hmm. then I've caused somebody else to interrupt their day. Right, I'm right. I'm putting a burden on other people. Mm-hmm. If I pull into a gas station, okay, to get gas. I've caused somebody to be there that they shouldn't maybe need to be there. Right. And I, I think that is a great angle, a good perspective, because you're actually focused on protecting other people's liberty, right, as you yep. go through that, which I think 
that's important when we think about individual rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's not all about me, me, me. It's about protecting everybody's rights. As and, the group. Right. Kind of like that bubble analogy that I, I said earlier. Right. You know, we right. kind of float around, but we don't bang into each other. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're learning a lot as we're going through this. We're, we're learning a lot about ourselves. We're learning about, you know, the context of government's role in this and, and the impact on culture. It's just an, an amazing time. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, there's one other thing that I want to bring out, and that is um, this, this life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness sacrifices um, in the form of giving up some liberty and the sudden occurrences of things. It, boy, I'll tell you, it got driven home with me big time, and I, and I just want to tell the story. Right? Okay. Tell the story, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I started, this start goes back to the mid-70s, Okay. And for those of you that are on YouTube, you'll appreciate this. Those of you that are listening in the podcast and just the audio, stop and spend at the uh, half hour mark. Look at the video. This is the War Patrol report for the USS Gudgeon SS-211. I rode the namesake, not this particular submarine, it was lost at sea at the end of World War II. Oh, wow. Okay. But because it was a namesake submarine, uh, I had the opportunity. I went back and I copied the War Patrol report. And the first War Patrol report started on December 11th, 1941. Wow. Wait, not September 11th, December 11th. December 11th. 41. So that's like right after Pearl Harbor. Four days. Wow. Okay. Now, when I was riding the boats and we were getting a boat ready for deployment, just a normal Westpac, okay, mm -hmm. it would take anywhere from five days to 10 days to outfit that boat with food, stores, crew, get everybody organized, all the equipment up to snuff. This was four days. After wow. Back on Pearl Harbor. All right. Yeah. It's an amazing story. All right. Their first patrol report ended with them sinking a Japanese submarine. Really? Yes. All right. That means a lot to submarine sailors. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Nor normally our targets are surface ships. <laughs> okay. This guy took out one of their submarines. On their second war patrol report, they were following the Japanese, they were trying to catch the Japanese carrier Kaga, K-A-G-A, -A. all right? Kaga. Sounds like, it sounds like Trump <laughs> and, his, and his hats. <laughs> yeah. Kaga. Kaga mm -hmm. was the aircraft carrier that was the key carrier in the Battle of Midway. That submarine, if it had caught that, Carrier could have stopped Midway. Oh, wow. Couldn't catch it. So we had Midway. Wow. That War Patrol report, <laughs> like I said, I have not touched it in 40 years. 
I copied it. I was going through a project with it at the time where I was plotting out the Latin long that he writes in his logbook, okay, and making a map, trying to figure out where they were. Every time he'd make an entry in his logbook, I was mapping out his course with a compass. Really? A, yeah. I mean, it was... So I found the book, dusted it, got it off the shelf, dusted it off, and I'm giving it to my father-in-law. He's, he's running out of reading material. So we're going to make a run up to his place. We'll drop the books off in the driveway, and then he can read them. Okay. But this, as I was getting this thing ready to go, I became re-aware of what I discovered 40 years ago. Mm. December 11th, 1941. Right. All right. Going to sea immediately for, it turned out to be a month and a half. Okay. But he, he brought the raw patrol repair back and it gets bundled with the endorsements from the different chains of command. Hmm. Okay. So the commander in chief submarines, Pacific fleet wrote an endorsement on his war, war patrol report and sent it out to all the submarines in the Pacific fleet. Didn't applaud him for his departure on December 11th. Didn't applaud him for, for the sinking of a submarine. His statement, his endorsement said, it took you 21 days to get from Pearl Harbor to your patrol area. That was way too long. You've got to do what you can <laughs> to get there to your patrol area quicker. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. That's on page one. <laughs> right. It's a taskmaster. You get to you get to the last page, page three of Appendix C, which was the commander's the submarine commander's first in you know, his first boss, his immediate boss. That was Appendix Three. He says, You were great. <laughs> <laughs> you were Johnny and Spark got underway in four days and you sank a submarine. I'm putting in you for the Navy commendation. Oh wow. Which he did. He got the Navy commendation. Right on. But the difference of attitudes. The Roosevelt. In the news, the CEO got relieved of command because he wrote a lengthy letter, okay, pleading for assistance because he hadn't heard back. He had made his normal channel request for assistance, okay, for something that the Navy has never experienced before. Yeah. He pulled into Vietnam. They had liberty. The sailors went to the places that sailors go to, and mm. they came back with COVID. Mm. And it started to spread through the boat. Uh, shouldn't have pulled into Vietnam. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. COVID's there. Now they're in quarantine in Guam. All right. But that CO was, was confronted with something that the Navy had never addressed before, not on that scale. Right. All right, and he was panicking. One thing a sub, uh, uh, one thing a CEO of a can't do is he can't panic. No, he's the CEO of a warship. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to note: yes, he got relieved. Okay, 
he broke the rules and regulations. He did not follow proper protocol. Okay. Did he lose any rank? Nope. You know where I'm willing to bet he's going right now? I mean, he's going to come home to San Diego, but he's going to be packing his bags and packing his household goods up because that boy's going to end up in the Pentagon. Uh-huh. And, he, and he will be the guy that addresses what you do as a commanding officer if you're confronted with a pandemic situation on your ship. Mm. Ain't there right now. That guy will write it. I may be wrong, but I think that's what's going to happen. Hey, well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, interesting because we always often hear about pandemics on a cruise ship, but we never really hear about it on a submarine or on an aircraft carrier or a battleship. No. no, on the submarines, when we get confronted with a situation like that, it's called a fast cruise. We shut the hatches and we're tied up to the pier and we don't go anywhere. Oh, no. I, I, I almost got trapped in a fast cruise once. Um, I was on a submarine over in the Mediterranean. We had an incident, which I can't talk about. But the procedure is fast cruise. Well, which is the exact opposite of fast, right? Right. So so (laughs) does that mean that in that situation, you have to wait for the the virus to pass through everybody? Whatever the incident. Whatever the incident happens to be, if it's got a timeline that you've got to be isolated, you know, protected, and at the same time, not be vulnerable to attack. Oh, my. Okay, yeah. Wow, that's that's all other you're, angle to it. You're a warship. You're yeah. supposed to be able to do combat. Well, if something has happened to the ship or the crew that requires quarantine, you're no longer a warship. So they bring you into a safe harbor, put you in quarantine, and everybody stays there until the situation's solved. And that could be weeks, maybe months, maybe who knows? Depends on the situation. Wow. Okay. Well, wow. So that'd be a tough one to be involved in. Yep. So anyway, thank you, John, for letting me come on the air and figuring out how to do this Zoom podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank I've, you, I've Pete. Covered, I covered what I wanted to cover in the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, Well, I think you have a great contribution to this. I think we had a great conversation. I'm so excited that we were able to do a Zoom podcast. We're recording the audio at the same time, not through Zoom, but separately. So post-production, I'll put it all together so we can have a quality audio, audio-only podcast that we'll upload to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And then we still have a great video here that we'll share on YouTube. So, Pete, thanks yeah. for being my um, Oh, my one more icebreaker. thing. One more no. thing. <laughs> You're like Columbo. I'm going to send you the PDF file for the War Patrol report. Oh, yeah. I'll put that in the show notes. Put that in the show notes. So if people want to kill some time reading, <laughs> they can kill. And the other thing, oh, the Navy, right? I copied that on zero. Xerox paper that the Navy uses. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Everybody thinks that paper is eight and a half by 11. In the 1970s, that paper that I copied that stuff is <laughs> eight by 10 and a half. <laughs> really? I, 
I swear to God. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you know it's interesting. Is, is in other nations, like in Japan, I think they use what's called A4, which is That's correct. similar yep. to eight and a half by 11, but slightly different proportion. It just varies yep. by culture. And maybe the Navy had their own culture with paper. Yeah. So it, in the PDF file, I, I had to do an introduction to it, right? A title page. And that's mm-hmm. on eight and a half by 11. And then when the rest of it ran through the machine, I said, oh, shit, it's smaller. Why is it small? Eight inches by 10 and a half. Yeah. So maybe it shifted or you've got fat margins all the way around yeah. it. So Right. Yeah. They're a little skewed, but you yeah. can read it. I'll share it with people. And I think it'd be a fun thing to check out, you know, while we're sheltering in place. Uh, they yep. have really fascinating uh, war report to check out. So thanks for sharing that, Pete. You bet. You bet. All right. Well, thanks totally for Totally unclassified. Me. Oh, yeah. Of course. I know you wouldn't <laughs> violate those rules. So, yeah, nice. uh, Well, Pete, thanks, thanks for joining me. I, I, I love this. I'm so happy we're doing it on Zoom, and, uh, and hopefully more will be coming. we got to do a three-way now. Okay. <laughs> a, a menage, okay? so <laughs> There we go. We'll do, all right. All right. See you later, Pete. Bye-bye. See you. Bye.